Well, it's great to be here, and I'm thankful that God has blessed me with the opportunity to, to serve you and to help you in your ministry as you await your new pastor. I'm convinced that God will bring the right person for you, and then you will be able to take off. So I'm really excited for, for your congregation. My scripture this morning is a familiar one, and it comes from Matthew 6, and I'm going to actually start with uh, verse 5. But one of the reasons why I love this is because I don't, I don't know about you, but I've always been, I'm better now, but I've always been uncomfortable in those groups where they start praying around in the circle and you have to pray out loud. And especially when I was young, I would just get so nervous as it's getting close to me. And I'm thinking, I'm not even listening to anybody else because I'm thinking in my head, what am I going to pray? It's got to be lofty. It's got to be heavenly. It's got to be a great prayer. You know, and, and I get to me and it's like, uh, thank you, God. <laughs> I mean, I just, th those moments were uh, terrifying when I was growing up. And then I found out, as we look in this, this particular passage, that Jesus didn't teach people to pray in lofty ways. He taught people to pray in a very simple way practical way. And so we read this passage that Jesus is teaching to his people. Listen to God's word. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And actually they did that. They'd be standing in the street corners and people would be going by and they'd, of course, collect talents. You know, that's what they did. But they're, they're out there in the middle of the street. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I used to think that too. I had to pray a lot of words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. So it is a reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to hear your word. I pray that you bless it, 
that you bless us, open our hearts to its message, and then help us to implant that message in our heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, now I do, I am going to get to forgiveness. But before we get to forgiveness, we have to talk about sin. What is it? You know, most of us see sin as some horrible thing that, you know, we've done and we all know that sin, but there's more subtlety, subtlety to sin. In the New Testament, you may not know, but there are five words that can be translated as sin. Five words. The first is fairly common, and it's a Greek word, harmatia. It's a, it's a shooting word. It's, a, it's for archery. So harmatia basically means that when you are pulling back and you're going for a target, you miss the target. It's the missing of the target that is the sin. You are sinning when you miss the target. Sin is the failure to be what we might have been or could have been. We make a mistake. We miss the mark. When I was um, serving as a chaplain to the Marine Corps, I came pretty clearly understanding what missing the mark means. Uh, the Marines liked me to come out and hang out with them and, and be a part of their routine. And I was able to do a fair amount of what they uh, wanted me to do. But one thing I couldn't do very well, and that was shooting. Shooting pistols in particular. How many have shot pistols? Oh, quite a few, okay. Um, I'm not good at it. And I still, I actually took lessons and I got, at least could hit the target, but when I was with the Marine Corps, I couldn't even hit the target. I mean, it, the target is like is from here to this table, the communion table, and I couldn't hit it. it was just, most of them were going down. And of course, the Marines are laughing their heads off, watching me to uh, missing everything. Matter of fact, I was so, uh, I scared them so much when I was shooting that uh, I had it, had it down and, and I forgot one lesson and I actually turned to them with the gun like this. <laughs> they hit the deck. <laughs> I, I learned real quickly that you don't do that. But that's, that's what this word is. It's a missing the target. And there are many times in our lives that we miss the target. And the second word is an interesting word. It's uh, parabasis. It's a crossing over, stepping across. Sin, in this, with this word, is stepping across the line, which is drawn between right and wrong. I remember visiting with a uh, young man, husband, who had unfortunately participated in an affair. And in visiting with him and counseling with him, the one thing he kept saying, which really struck me, he said, I never thought I would cross the line. 
Never thought I would do that. That's, that's what this word sin means. It's crossing the line. Going across a line that you know you shouldn't have, but you do. Now, the next word is close to this one. It's, it's a word that is uh, translated to slip across, to kind of slide across. And it's actually the word that we have in verse 14, where most Bibles today translate it as sin, but it's actually trespass. In our older Bibles, especially the King James Version, they still have trespass in that particular Bible. And for whatever reason, they started changing it. Um, sin is okay, but it really is. It really means to trespass. And trespass is to, is to slip across. It's the sin of being swept away by impulse and passion. It's a sin that's, that causes us to be swept away by the moment. Influenced by the crowd. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? You're with the crowd and they're all for this or they're all for that and you're not quite sure, but you go along. I mean, let's face it. When we're in college, we do a lot of things that our friends talk us into that we shouldn't have done. I'm not going to ask you to confess. I'm just <laughs> saying. And when we start in our, as a young person, we start in business and we're trying to learn the ropes and how to go through it. There are those in business who will tell you, well, just, yeah, just fudge the figures a little bit. That's okay. That's slipping away. That's the sin of, of being swept away by impulse and motion and wrong teachings. The next one is a pretty dangerous one. It's translated lawlessness. The sin of lawlessness. Now, what is that? It's a sin of knowing what is right. You know what is right. But you still are doing the wrong thing. You still do it. It's irresponsible. It's the sin of irresponsibility. And that's a dangerous sin. Because you begin to do things that you don't care what God says or what anybody says to you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's the sin of irresponsibility. And the last word is the one that we have in verse 12. And in some people's Bibles, they actually translate it sin. But it's ophelima, which means debt. That which is owed. It's the sin of not paying that which is due to a person, to yourself, to a friend, to an organization. And it's the burden of a of mounting debt. I think the easiest way to describe it is that if you've ever been in financial difficulties and you're getting all the letters and you're getting the calls and you're get, you know and they're all hounding you because you owe something and you just ignore it. Well, that begins to mount and it gets to weigh you down. You know, as they say, and it still is, the number one marital problem in America is finances. 
they have a difficulty dealing with their finances and their debt and how much they spend and, and have gone too, too wild and then how do we get out of it? And then it causes personal conflict between each other. It's the burden of owing something or to someone. Sin of not paying what is due. And, and that one is not just financial. It's what we owe to somebody else. Or what we owe to a church. Or what we owe to an organization. Or what we owe to ourselves. And we're not paying it. That's sin. That's debt. It's a sense of obligation. And Jesus, in our text, is referring to failure in duty. Not being reliable, unfinished business. I know as a pastor for many years, I've, I grew to realize that there are certain people who say, I'll do that, and you know they're not going to. You know, and so you prepare for when they let you down. And then there are those who say, I can do it. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore because you know they're going to take care of it. This is the, this is the duty of, of what, this is the debt that, that we're talking about. Jesus is talking about a failure in your duty, unfinished business failed in what God has called you to do. Be it something this week, be it something next month, or maybe it's a lifetime. You haven't come through. When I was in seminary, I went to school with a bunch of Dominican monks. And I learned a lot from them. And one of the things I learned was what they called office. And they would come to me, it would be Sunday morning or it would be Saturday afternoon or evening. It was usually evening and morning. And they would say, well, I've I got to go, i got to go to office. you got to go to your office? What are, you, what are you doing in your office at 6 o'clock in the morning? You know, or what are you doing right after dinner and going to office? I don't, I, well, they finally explained it to me. Office comes from the Latin word officium. And officium means duty. Office or officium is what the monks would do when they're in prayer time and reading of scripture. They would set aside a certain period of time each day, usually twice a day, uh, three times a day, and they would go into their closet, shut the door, and they would pray. Now, why do they call it office or duty? Because one of them told me there are many times when we don't want to do it. We don't feel like praying. How many times have you felt like not praying? You know, we all play that game. And they said, well, we do it because it's our duty. And so they carry on, even if they don't want to. Their prayers may be telling God, I'm not into this right now. But at least you're talking to God. It was a great lesson for me to learn. And a debt that is unpaid, the interest on this type of debt 
is much higher than the interest on a financial debt. It begins to weigh upon your soul and keeps mounting until it is relieved. That's one of the reasons why Catholics would have confession time, so they can release it and get it out. I read in a paper many years ago about a uh, project, I guess you'd say, in New York City. And they gave a number. All who need to confess, call this number. And no one answered. It was a, it was a voicemail. And you'd call up and you'd say, well, I did this and that, or I did this. And it was amazing. Thousands of people called that number because they wanted to be relieved of the burden. And they wanted to be able to say it to somebody. They needed the release, the freedom. And that's where forgiveness comes in. Just saying the word, it just, there's a sense of relief. Forgiveness, I'm forgiven. I'm relieved. Forgiveness releases you from the guilt of not reaching your true potential. It's a, giving you a, a second chance. It lets you go from the grip of guilt. And guilt can just strangle the life out of you. Forgiveness warms your heart. It strengthens your soul. And without a forgiving heart, you are still bound by the pain of life. One English philosopher of the early 20th century, he was an Anglican priest, and he wrote this once. Now listen to this very carefully. He said, the one final and utter failure of the church would be its ceasing to be able to bring sinners the assurance of forgiveness. Stopping assuring them of forgiveness. That's our main course. Forgiveness. The church should be a forgiving organization. Helping people realize that our God is different than all the other things that are in our world that are trying to take advantage of us. Our God is a forgiving God. And no matter what you've done, no matter how terrible you feel about yourself, no matter how guilty you feel, you can, like the psalmist, come to our Lord and ask for forgiveness because you know that he will forgive you. Oh, it's a sweet sound to hear someone say, you are forgiven. I heard the story several years ago about a young woman who came to a very prominent, very wealthy, large church in Houston, slipped in the back and got into the back rows, and she was all by herself. She was rather disheveled, and she was uh, weeping, and no one really said anything to her, except for this elderly gentleman that was sitting in the same pew and he knew that she was troubled. He knew that she was hurting. 
Turns out she was a prostitute. She was a drug addict. And she was so bad off that she actually sold her child to get drugs. Now tell me, is there guilt in that person's life? There was. She came to the church thinking that maybe she could be relieved of that guilt. And that one gentleman scooted over to her, put his arms around her, and she felt the relief. She, he could feel her just and kind of sobbing while he held her. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now Jesus ends this prayer with, uh, well, the Lord's Prayer with two lessons. One, a prayer should be practical, which his is. And a prayer should be simple. And a prayer should be daily. Give us our daily bread, not our bread once in a while, not our bread in, the, in a month, our daily bread, the things that we need to survive. But then right after he talks about the daily bread, he talks about forgiveness. Pray for our daily bread and then teach us about forgiveness combined. Forgiveness, a bread is an opportunity to be able to nourish our body physically or the assistance, but forgiveness is that which nourishes our soul, our spirit. And we all are, can struggle with the idea of forgiving. The hardest thing, there's two things that are very hard. The hardest thing we can do when it comes to forgiveness is forgiving someone who truly, truly hurt us deeply. And it's easy for me to say, well, you need to forgive him. But for your sake, you do. You need to be able to, to let that person off your list so that they're not filling you with anger and revenge and, and hatred. But forgiveness is a sign of our spiritual maturity. Prayer begins with forgiveness and asking God every day to teach us how to be forgiving. And I'll conclude with this. There was an older, old lady that I knew way back in my ministry, and she was just the spiritual uh, strength of the whole church. And I remember her telling me that in her prayer time, and she, when she said, I'm praying today, every day, she does. And she, was tell, she told me that she, if she has someone that she doesn't like or has a hard time with or really upset, she puts them on her prayer list. And she says, you know, it's interesting. It's real hard not to like someone that you're praying for every single day. Her heart was changed towards that person. Forgiveness 
daily bread. That's what God's Jesus says when it comes to our daily prayers.